Welcome to the Final Ghost Podcast. I'm Anna Bogutska, co-founder of the Final Ghost Collective and your podcast host. There's so much good new horror out right now, and I've got a few exciting interviews with the filmmakers who made them. Alongside the release of Master in the UK on Amazon Prime, I spoke with the film's writer-director Mariama Diallo, whose previous work in horror includes this amazing short film called Hairwolf, which you can watch online too, and which I actually screened way back in the day in one of the Final Girls early touring programs called We Are The Weirdos, so it's been amazing to see what Mariama did after that short. In my chat with her, which is entirely spoiler-free, we talk about her love for horror, the inspirations behind setting her feature film in the dark world of academia, and of course working with the great Regina Hall. Master draws from the aesthetics of dark academia and campus set teen horrors, but really focuses on the lives of three women who are trying to find their place in an elite university while suspecting that there might be something sinister lurking. If you enjoy this conversation and this podcast, do follow us at the Final Ghost UK on Instagram and Twitter, and consider leaving us a little review on Apple Podcasts. With all of that said, please enjoy my conversation with Masters writer director Mariama Diallo. Hi, Mariama. How are you doing? I'm very good. Hi, Anna. I actually screened your film um, it, around the UK a few years ago. Um, I, was saying, I film- know the final girl. I was like, this yeah. is so familiar. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's so lovely to to finally speak to you. And yes. congratulations on, on Master. I really, um, I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, noticing Hairwolf back in the day and yeah, having me on for this. No, and and I'm really excited to dig into some of the the choices and the themes of Master. But uh, I guess because the first time we get to speak, I'm always really curious about people's relationships to horror. So I wanted to ask you, what is your own personal attachment or attraction to the genre? So I have loved horror since I was a kid. Um, I'm the kind of person who loves to freak myself out. I love to scare myself. And it wasn't even necessarily confined, you know, to film. I also loved reading, you know, horror novels. Uh, There's that book series, you know, uh, Scary Stories to Give You Nightmares, I think it was called. Um, I would, you know, read these horror folk tales and and give myself nightmares, truly. and just so many films that that scared the pants off of me. And what I love about horror, I think, is the immediacy. You know that that it's it's a very visceral experience, and and it's very you know it's physical and it's emotional, and it really you know it's it it's a transformative experience. Um, and I love the kind of space that it allows you to enter. That isn't even um, necessarily governed by logic. It's really You know, I think in terms of film, like it's a very artful space because you're able to to move past the, you know, the rules and boundaries of our, you know, our real lives. I agree with you on so many levels um, with with your approach to horror and one kind of talking about um, 
the spaces and the and the threat of certain spaces and some of the kind of recurring imagery of horror. One of the things that really felt quite interesting to me about Master was this use of of the academic setting as a space of of horror and of threat, and and it's been quite interesting to see a certain resurgence in what people are calling dark academia as an almost aspirational aesthetic, and and this kind of looks at a at a different side of it. So I'm wondering, kind of, um, what. Do you, what attracted to you? Uh, what attracted you about the academic setting as a space for the horrific? You know, I think that my my connection to it was, uh, you know, personal, and um, it really, you know, the the film grew out of uh, some of my own personal experiences, and then even beyond that, I think, you know, for instance, my mom uh, is a retired academic, and certainly over my lifetime, I heard a number of things about her own experience and her challenges in that kind of space. And so as I began to think about this film and think about the character of Gail Bishop and, you know, this, this school of Ancaster and, and everything that the story was, uh, you know, the demands that the story was placing on the character, they all felt like they were pointing me towards a horror space. There was something very horrific about those spaces and, you know, those institutions. And, and so I just kind of followed that, um, I followed that path. And can you talk a little bit about the choice to also um, have the film be, and the the, um, the mystery of it as well, be presented from two points of view, both from Gail's and from Jasmine's to, um, you know, different generations of women who are entering the academic sphere? Yeah, you know, that's something that um, that evolved over the script writing process. And it didn't um, occur to me immediately, I think, probably because I was, uh, in a certain sense, following this, you know, the dogma of screenwriting, where you stay in one character's perspective. And so my first draft of the script was told entirely through Gail's point of view. So even though the events of the film happened more or less in the same way, um, our experience of Jasmine was just limited to the times that Gail would see Jasmine or run into her or Jasmine would come to her office. But as I continued writing and in conversation with my producers at Animal Kingdom, it, I realized that it was really important to also have access to Jasmine and to her inner world and her emotional space and that I, I, I wanted to you know, try to also do this dual narrative and really, you know, get into Jasmine's head more than, you know, just Gail's perspective would allow. And I'm so grateful that, you know, that that was a decision that was made because I think that it really, it opens up different parts of the film. And I think that you're able to see, you know, from, from two different sides of the coin, one a student and one a professor, how this school is placing certain pressures on them and how, you know, some of the generational differences and how they're responding to it. And also just, you know, the differences of their own circumstances and personalities. And I think, um, I think that that's something that, that was, uh, you know, I, I felt like I really cracked something when, when I realized that I could also follow Jasmine. And you've kind of hinted at a, a little bit about your process, but I'd love to hear more about how you actually build a story and how you you conceptualize a film like Master, which has so many vi unspoken things and things in the shadows that really worked for me uh, alongside the, the narratives of the characters. 
Yes. Thank you so much uh, for saying that, you know, the unspoken things and the things on the shadows, that's definitely, you know, something that was really important for me to come across, you know, because I think of Ancaster as this, this kind of space that is shadowy and, you know, where things are lurking and there's, there's a lot more than meets the eye. Um, and, and so the process of, you know, coming up with a story and writing the script, it was very, uh, it was a very natural evolution, um, which was interesting. Um, the word, the title was, was the thing that grabbed me first. I was just so fascinated by the word master and, and the, you know, how the multiplicity of definitions that you could draw from it and, and, and the power of it and the history of it and the weight of it. And then I started thinking about Gail and, and I knew I wanted to tell a story of a black woman who's become a master in this kind of space. And, you know, in the literal sense, you know, we know what that means and it's the academic title, but then there's the metaphorical sense. And I wanted to see what Gail would try to master over the course of that semester that we see her. And, and then it's like, it's almost like there's this gravitational pull where more and more elements of the story just started to get sucked in. And I think that, you know, part of that um, was due to you, just everything that was on my mind and, and these, um, these unexpressed uh, emotions that I had unearthed uh, by going back into my own time as a college student and, and putting some of that into the film. And um, so th that was the process of the genesis. And then, you know, I, I rewrote and rewrote and rewrote the film. And a lot of that was in collaboration with my producers at Animal Kingdom. And they were really, really helpful partners, just, you know, really digging into the story and looking at the characters and, and thinking about the world and looking at the horror and the, and the supernatural and, and making sure that that felt like, it was earned, you know, and not, um, not gratuitous or yeah, just mm -hmm. there for, for the hell of it. So, so the, the rewriting process was, uh, was really, really important to, to the evolution of the script. And it took a while, you know, it was, mm -hmm. uh, it was, it was months of kind of trying different drafts and, and trying out different things before I felt like I really got the film. How many, how many drafts did you go through out of curiosity? You know, I couldn't even count. It's hard to say because at a certain point I would, you know, if I made, uh, I mean, there are dozens, honestly, but, you know, one draft to another could just be, you know, a few dialogue tweaks mm -hmm. and then I would, you know, rename the file and make a new one. Or there could be, you know, much more significant changes that I would make to a story and trying to, you know, um, shore up a character or add in new scenes. Um, but um, it was it was about nine or ten months of uh, of working on the draft, so there were many, <laughs> too many to count. <laughs> <laughs> and and you kind of mentioned this uh, the occult elements and bringing in the occult elements kind of in an earned way. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what appealed to you about that, and specifically kind of about this idea of of hauntings or you know, there's a couple of uh, of instances of a sort of a witch like figure that appears. Yeah, you know, um, I think at the most basic level, that um, that's my favorite kind of horror. I love I love uh, ghost stories. I love apparitions. I love the supernatural even more so, you know, than a slasher um, or uh, you know a horror that is uh, 
more, you know, directly uh, bound by the rules of our world. Um, so I was really excited to play in that kind of space. And, um, and then, you know, given where the school is uh, located, which is in, you know, Massachusetts, and it's a Salem-esque type town, I really, you know, I thought about a lot about the witch trials, which is just such a fascinating chapter of the, you know, American history. And, you know, it's like, on the one hand, it's, it's like, these people went berserk, what happened to them, you know, and it's really one of those instances of a cloistered society completely losing its mind, which I think we also see kind of reflected in the world of the film and Ancaster. But then it's, you know, it's also this story of uh, deadly misogyny that killed so many innocent women. Um, but then there's another part of that story that sometimes gets overlooked, which is the role that a woman of color also played in the witch trials and was one of the first people to be accused and was, I think, maybe the sole survivor of the accused. I might be wrong, uh, but certainly one of the very, very few survivors uh, who's Tituba, um, a possibly uh, indigenous American woman or a black woman, um, you know, so much of her identity isn't known, but she was certainly a slave and um, and survived the witch trials by confessing uh, to being a witch. So just, you know, this idea of what it means to be a witch and, and whether it will doom you or whether it will save you was something that was really interesting to me and, and, and really on my mind. And I just wanted to bring it into the film. Bringing a little bit of your previous short, which I love to hear, um, Hairwolf, which also, you know, you're looking at black culture being appropriated by, by white people. And here there's this young, uh, college student who is almost entering this really oppressive space of whiteness as well. And that being not, um, extremely damaging to her on so many different levels uh, in a way that seems invisible to a lot of people around her. And I'm wondering kind of why the, why do you think kind of the horror genre, the horror space is so, is so fertile to explore something that is perhaps, um, you know, difficult to explore in other, in other genres of cinema? You know, I think that, I think that horror is really transgressive generally and I think that horror is a space uh, in which uh, uh, filmmakers are allowed to break with the conventions of our normal world, whether that's in terms of what we look at, you know, and what we depict or, uh, you know, or, or what we discuss in, you know, in, in the case of Herewolf or Master. So I think that people go into horror films with with open minds and and with a certain readiness to enter into an emotional experience that maybe doesn't happen as much all the time um, in some of the other genre spaces. So I think people are just very, very open, um, which is great. And then, you know, for the stories, I, I think it makes sense because you know, I, I always think, and it's probably the words of a professor lurking somewhere in my mind that, you know, horror, horror when it's really, really working on all levels is, is so often about um, anxieties, you know, and, mm -hmm. and rendering a personal anxiety, you know, on a societal level. Um, like I look at Carrie and I think that, you know, there's a way that you can view Carrie as, you know, a film that discusses, uh, 
fear of, uh, of the female body and of, you know, a pubescent woman and, and what does that mean? And, you know, menstruation and, and all of that entails and the, you know, connection between womanhood and witchcraft, speaking of witchcraft and mm-hmm. how, you know, so, so often in history, there's also been this fear of women in that way as well. So, so I think that for a long time, horror filmmakers have been using the genre to talk about more than, you know, just the narrative of the story. They're also talking about something deeper, which is what makes it so compelling. Um, so I feel glad, you know, when I, you know, when I make a film and I'm talking about my anxieties and, and, and my feelings of unease and rendering it through horror, I feel so glad that there's the space for that. And I think that, I think that it's something that was already established, you know, going way back to a lot of those classic horror films. I really agree with you. And I really loved how you phrased uh, that kind of that emotional space that you can react to horror films, not necessarily intellectually, which is a different level, but kind of feel it in your gut, even if you're not being directly told kind of what the intention or the narrative is. And um, on a a kind of slightly different tangent, I wanted to ask you about um, the different the again, going back to Gail and to Jasmine, kind of about how do you work with your performers in terms of are you very extremely specific in in your direction or are you interested in allowing them a space to play and to bring in um, their own experiences to the roles? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, uh, I felt so close having written the script. I felt so close to the characters and, and really like I knew them, but the process of, you know, working with Zoe or Amber Gray or Gina Hall and all of our cast was, you know, also opening it up to them, which was important, you know, and I think that the characters grew in really significant ways after our conversations. And so, you know, before we got on set, we had, uh, we were fortunate to have a really uh, decent amount of time uh, set aside for rehearsals. And um, much of the rehearsal time uh, we would spend discussing the characters, discussing the script, really doing a lot of analysis um, of motivations and backstory and origins because it felt really meaningful for them to be fleshed out and for them to really feel like three-dimensional characters to the performers as well. And, um, you know, each of them, you know, Zoe, Regina, Amber brought their interpretations and and their views to the characters also and it was you know it would be truly in discussion and you know they might ask me a question and you know I would I would answer if I felt like I had the answer but I would also ask them questions which was fun you know even being the writer I would you know I would really try to treat them like they were just these real people outside of me so you know in a in a given scene I might ask well so why do you think said this, you know, and, and we would think about it and we think about where we imagined the character had just come from in, you know, wherever they were uh, preceding that scene, what were they, what are they about to do? And, um, and that was really important work that we did, particularly before getting on set that, um, that I'm glad that we had the chance to do. And and I just to wrap up our conversation, uh, I wanted to ask you kind of without um, being too prescriptive, I always love to ask filmmakers this kind of what do you hope people take away from Master when they watch it? This is always such a hard question for me because I think that I almost um, 
I, I, I almost remove myself from, from the expectation there and I kind of leave it open, you know, and to the viewer to, to enter and decide and, and, and to move through that world and, and take with it what they will. Um, but I, you know, what I do hope is that they're able to, you know, to empathize with the characters, um, you know, even some of the characters who might not necessarily uh, seem particularly likable. I think that it's, it's always important just to understand. And, and I hope that, you know, these characters feel, you know, three-dimensional that you can, that you can enter into their headspace and, and really try to see the world through their eyes or try to understand uh, why they, you know, make the actions uh, and the choices that they do. Mariama, thank you so much for your time and for talking a little bit about the, the making of Faster. I really appreciated the film and this conversation. Thank you so much. I could have done this for hours more. Thank you so much for the great conversation and just, you know, being a woman in the horror space. And I, it's, it's always really fun. To and thank you. About. I look forward to, to seeing what else you do in the future. Thank you. Thanks so much, Anna.